Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I do not have Brent on the line with me, but I do have another guest. Before we get to that, though, a quick word from our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Rock Tape. I recently went to Rock Tape's basic certification for actually applying Rock Tape, and it was really good. Highly recommend it if you're a physical trainer or anyone in the medical profession industry. What I really like about it is, so this Rock Tape is like 20 bucks for a roll, and it's kind of like an instant, you know, it's not going to heal all your problems, but it is going to help you recover a little bit faster. And during the class, they went over some of the science that actually backs that up. They showed some MRI imaging of people with rock tape on and how it, um, how it changes the way your movement. And they also showed some, uh, was it echo, not echocardiogram, but sonogram of basically showing that the ro- with the rock tape applied, how it helps decompress your skin and kind of opens up your... Uh, lymph nodes and uh, blood vessels that are underneath the rock tape. So pretty cool product. I've always been skeptical of it in the past, but after going through the training, I'm 100% on board. I think it's a great thing. And really for the the quality of solution you're getting for the price, I mean, you can't beat it. You know, it's a lot cheaper than going out and buying a knee brace or a shoulder brace every time you have like a minor tweak or minor, you know, nagging injury. So highly recommend rock rock tape. They have an extra sticky variety that I use for racing. Uh, so check them out on their website. And if you do, pick some up. Just tell them the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team sent you. All right. Today joining me on the podcast, I have Lance Johnson. Lance Johnson is on the Green Beret Challenge Pro Team. He started racing in 2014 and then switched over to Elite shortly thereafter. He's got a couple of second-place finishes at BFX when they were still around, Battle Frogs multi-lap event. He's got a first at a Tougher Mudder event. And... In addition to that, he's done several military-style obstacle courses and challenges. So things like Green Beret Challenge and Go Ruck and the Selection. And then other than that, uh, he's a big fan of the battle races. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Green Beret Challenge, Go Ruck, and battle races. So Lance, welcome to the show. Hey, Evan. Thank you for having me. Good. It's good to have you on. We've been trying to get this scheduled for like several weeks, and it's just our schedules have not been lining up. Oh man, I know. I'm, I'm sorry about that. It's just, you know how life goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I completely understand. If you listen to this podcast, you might know that I, I, I typically record a couple episodes in a week, and then I don't record anything for a month just because things get super busy, you know, with life and training and racing and all that other good stuff. So let's start off with first of all, congratulations on being named to the uh, Green Beret Challenge Pro Team. Um, so let's talk about Green Beret Challenge first. So how many Green Beret Challenge events have you done? Oh, man, Evan. Uh, I think I have done, what is it, oh, 10 or 11-ish, maybe 12. Um, you know, Oof. I started uh, doing GBC back when they were at Fort Yargo. Anyone that remembers the Fort Yargo race, that was kind of like, I guess, one of the ones that just broke everyone in real well. It was uh, It was brutal yet fun and uh so everyone walked away rewarded um you know it's still the four-person team event and uh i think that just kind of showed me that there's a little bit more 
out there to off, be offered than just your standard run of the mill, you know, go hit a couple obstacles. Um, it, it made me want to really jump out there and look for the, the, the events that challenge you a little bit extra. Cool. So for those of us who are not familiar with Green Beret Challenge, can you explain the different types of events? Because I know they have like the Operator, the Commando, the 12, and then a couple more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so GBC has, you know, used to do the, the four-person team event, which is considered the Commando. Um, about, about two years ago, Mark decided to start doing the Operator, which is just basic obstacle race. Um, you know, he, he threw his, his special twist on it, throwing the yoke carry. Anyone that did the, the NORAM last year remembers the yoke carry. Um, he, uh, he offers the 12, which he uses as a 12-hour endurance event that's a uh, little bit of learning, a little bit of team building, um, but he uses it as a stepping stone for people to get into the 24-hour uh, behind enemy lines, um, which initially started out as the same thing a little bit of a little team building and then it went into the learning side um and then and then he evolved it to where it was more of a more of a learning type event um he didn't want to beat you in the ground for the first couple hours he wanted to get as much exposure to to doing more cool things than uh having to just kind of grind you down in the beginning um Going into next year, it uh, it looks like he's going to be doing a lot more commando. So uh, it'll be going back to the four-person team events, and uh, pretty excited about that, especially now that there's four of us on the on the GBC team. So it just makes a lot more sense now. Oh, that is true. Yeah, you guys can roll up with your whole team at uh, some of these events. And I know for this year they have a couple more scheduled. There's one in Alabama, one in Atlanta, and they just announced one in Kansas City on October 20th. So for those of you who are interested in that. Now, have you done the 12 and the um, their 24-hour version? I've done two of the 24 hours. Uh, I actually, each time that the 12 has fallen, I've had something already planned out. Um, I actually had a friend get married uh, at the last 12-hour, and the one before that uh, had a birthday party for one of my kids. So uh, neither one I could miss. Gotcha, gotcha. So we got the, just uh, for a recap, just so I'm tracking and our listeners are tracking, you have the operator, which is like the normal OCR type course, which actually we just had one in St. Louis a couple weeks ago. I thought it was really cool, the fact that it was a lot of heavy carries mixed with obstacles, because it really mixed up the field, at least for the beginning of the race. Like some of the big, we went right into some heavy carries, and some of the bigger guys were actually up in the front, like the top three were all like big guys because it was a heavy carry kind of right from the beginning. Um, and then you have the commando, which is the four-person team, and you're doing basically carries and a mixture of team-building type stuff. Now, are those commando ones timed? Is there a, is there a ranking? Yeah, there there will be a ranking to them, um, and he, he does give out awards for uh, the top teams. Um, we're still trying to, to dial in. Um, exactly how we're going to do it next year because I, I I know next year he's kind of going to roll in or roll out a whole new I guess program for all of that so he's uh, he's got some plans up his sleeve for how he wants to do it and kind of just make it stand out uh, mainly because that's going to be one of his main formats he's going to push next year and for those of you not tracking when we say he we're talking about Mark Ballas the owner slash race director slash founder of Greenberry Challenge he's a former special forces soldier 
and he's the one who kind of comes up with all this crazy stuff, you know, based off of military selection and training. And he's also the race director for North American Championships. So for those of you heading out there next month in August, you get to feel the pain that he creates on his courses, which should be fun. Absolutely, and he's working up some uh, very special surprises for for Noram as well. So uh, that that should be very interesting. Are you going to be heading out to Noram? Still undecided. Uh, trying to trying to line everything up with work. Um, so. We'll see. Uh, ho- hopefully, I'll be able to make it. Now, the 12 and 24-hour uh, events he holds, the 12 is actually called the 12, and the 24 is behind enemy lines. Is that correct? That's correct. Are those competitive, or is that just completion, kind of go, no-go? It's, it's just completion, go, no-go. Um, it's it's more of you know team building and uh, kind of out-of-the-box teaching you a little something that maybe you didn't know before um he's done anything from rappelling to uh you know ropeless wall climbs uh he's done uh tactics to to break out of uh zip zip tie cuffs and get out of rope um you know things that could probably get you out of sticky situations something that you would go and pay for pay for in a self-defense class um he wants to bring that to you in uh in another manner and uh you know mark he's always going to throw his own special twist to everything i know you've done you seem to be drawn into a lot of these like military themed obstacle courses or challenges kind of what what draws you into them i think it's just the uh the additional challenge to them um you know i, I always wanted to, to join whenever I was uh, in, in high school, and I don't know, um, coming out of high school, my dad was ex-military, his father was ex-military, and uh, dad just kind of didn't want me to take that path, um, and then I was, my, my wife and I were getting very serious at that point, and uh, so just decided at that, at that point in time in life, uh, it just wasn't the right move came back to it several times uh wanting to and just never pulled the trigger on it so i guess partly uh you know i'm i'm definitely envious of everyone that's went out there and uh and served our country and then you know it's it's really interesting how when you get around those type of people um they kind of tend to rub off some of their uh some of their ideas and mannerisms rub off on you and you wind up learning a a whole lot of things that you probably wouldn't find anywhere else. Gotcha. Good answer. So you're on Green Bray Challenges team. You've done a lot of their events, but you've also done another event that's started by Green Berets called Go Ruck. So how does Green Beret Challenge compare to Go Ruck? And kind of what are your thoughts on Go Ruck? Uh, I, I, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like Spartan Race to to savage race they're just two totally different animals i mean in, in essence they could be very similar in that they're in the same industry but you know savage is going to challenge you a different a different way just like uh Gerwick challenges you differently than uh green beret um mark has has decided that he wasn't going to go through the uh through through the uh team building as much in the 24 he wanted to be a lot more uh, learning based and you know so he, he invented the 12 um, 
but it's just two totally different animals. Uh, I I love Goruck because it's it's a different group of people, um, completely non-competitive. It gets you out of the box, makes you think a little bit differently. Um, I will say I, I went after their their Goruck selection last year, and uh, that was that was an eye opener uh, to say the least. Um, you know I. I felt like I was very prepared and I uh, was was awakened that I was not nearly ready for uh for such a adventure. Um still proud of what I did, but uh definitely taught me a couple of things about how I need to uh I, I need I need to respect a couple more events a little bit more probably. Um I I, I was a little too confident in myself, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of hard not knowing much too many details going into the event and how to prepare for it. So may I ask what kind of got you or what was it a, you know, did you end up quitting or was it like a failed event that eliminated you? Oh no, I, I, I definitely had to, I had to quit. I had to drop. Um, I, uh, I put in, I put in, I put in the training and put in the work. Um, but you know, just little mistakes cost you. Um, I, I overtrained with, uh, with a 45 pound plate in my ruck, um, you're required to only be 45 pounds plus your food and your water. Um, so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to go for the gusto and overtrain. What I didn't take into account for was when I dropped to my event weight, that having that 45 pound plate gave me a a much larger base to to do overhead presses or anything overhead with my ruck so when i went to the shorter plate it took some of that away so it changed up how i was going to be holding it it kind of threw me off balance um and it just started taxing my shoulders really really fast and uh actually my left shoulder just finally shut down um they had us doing doing crawls through the mud and uh dragging my ruck and at that point i if i had to guess that ruck wet 45 pounds 45 pounds then you throw your water. There's mud all in it. It was probably probably bumping 60 pounds or better. And um, I mean, well, crap. You you know how little I am. I'm only about 140 pounds. So bumping half my weight, dragging it with one arm. My arm just gave out, and I had to drop. Um, but I'm I'm still ecstatic. I made it 10 hours on my first attempt, and it won't be my last either. Gotcha. Any plans to go back this year, or you're saving it for next year, or maybe the year after? I'm gonna save it for next year. Um, this year they're gonna be in uh, Bellbrook, Ohio, and next year they will be back down in Jacksonville. Um, so Jacksonville is more more like my climate at home. I'm from Mobile, Alabama, so the heat uh, should be a little bit of an advantage for me again, um, and that give me plenty of time to rebuild and you know plan accordingly. I'm shocked you're from the South. You don't sound like it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm about as country as they get, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I do. I do have some. I actually have a couple of cousins in Mobile, Alabama. So um, I've oh, actually been all... down there a couple of times. They're from the uh, the husband is from Mobile. Um, the the female, the one that I'm related to, is from the Northeast. So she moved down there. It's a culture culture adjustment when she moved. Oh yeah, yeah, I, and uh, not to mention the. Uh, non-stop uh summer down here we get two weeks of the winter and then it's summer again 
Yeah. So if there's someone getting ready to go to Go Ruck Selection this year or next year, or even uh, Green Beret Challenges 24 uh, behind enemy lines, you know, what's a piece of advice or a couple of key pieces of advice you'd give to them? Uh, one thing I would say is mental prep. Uh, you you know, you, your body can do a whole lot more than what you what you think it can do. So if you're if you're sound mentally, you can go, go a lot further than what you ever thought you could go. Um, it's just keeping your head in the game nonstop. Outside of that, you just got to kind of kind of think outside of the box sometimes on your training. You know, the the standard going in and hitting the gym for 30, 45 minutes isn't going to cut it. You got to kind of get outside and throw yourself in some awkward situations and uh and and come up with some uh, out of the box training. And I'm sure you know all about that. I do. Yeah. I mean, we used to help guys get ready for selection, like actual uh military special forces selection and there's like a handbook that they give you that's like here's some generic uh preparation thing and basically it had increasing ruck marches of various length and i had a couple of friends that were getting ready to go and they're like oh i did i did everything but the last like week or two of the manual and the last week or two of the long ruck marches they're like 18 and 20 mile ruck marches and i was like oh you didn't do the last two ruck marches like that's the that's the most important part like because it it just sucks, and it's you know time with weight on your back, and it's making sure your feet are ready to go, and making sure you have a good pair of boots. And yeah. for for these for these events, a lot of times, you know, if there's a packing list, it's usually recommended. You know, you bring you have two pairs of boots that are very good and are not going to give you blisters, absolutely no matter what, because eventually your first pair gets wet, and then you're like, all right, well I got to put on the second pair, and you know people have boots that are not broken in, so it usually goes poorly for those people but yeah and like you said i mean you, you you get out there and that that something about that long ruck march you know whenever i was getting ready for selection last year the uh getting out there and timing myself to do something kind of quick wasn't that bad but whenever i just struck out for a long distance you just kind of got to stay out of your own head you get you get in your head and you're like oh man this is terrible i just want to stop and you just got to kind of break through the uh the mental barriers a little bit so i can i can definitely feel you there um and also thank you for your service to the country evan oh my pleasure i i enjoy it it doesn't feel like service most of the time um but yeah i will say the the thing you said about you know you can go a lot further than meant you can go a lot further than you think you can and obviously i 100 percent agree with that i mean that's my that's one of what I've been doing in endurance sports for the last couple of years, really kind of pushing my own personal limits. And I set up challenges that are like at first initial glance, I'm like, this is too hard. But, you know, if it's, it, everything is in baby steps. So, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you've only done a warrior dash and you're looking at taking the next step, you know, just in, increase incrementally slowly over a couple of years. And I think you'll be surprised at how far that those kind of baby steps, you know, just making a little bit of progress every year can take you. Absolutely. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Battle Race. So uh, Battle Race is a series in the kind of southeastern portion of the U.S., Louisiana area. So tell me a little bit about them because I've seen pictures of you online after the race, uh, standing on the podium, holding some pretty cool awards. Um, so, yeah, give me give me a rundown of what Battle Race is. Uh, so 
Battle Race is ran by S- SGX trainer, uh, that be Sidney Paul Morse. Um, and actually, he has just rebranded. Uh, he had, uh, I guess, a, a different partner last year, um, and they they went separate ways. And this year, he's uh, kind of stepping out on his own, and he's actually got a race coming up this coming up weekend, uh, the twenty first, and. You know, I'm I'm pretty excited. He does, you know, he does the lead. He does a, a multi-lap wave, and uh, Sydney does a good job of just kind of. He he does the the thinking outside the box. He uh, takes a a good obstacle and he he improves upon it. He he likes to be challenged himself. So if it was tough at you know a, a standard monkey bar, he wants to go in there and throw a rope climb or a traverse to the backside of it, make it a little bit longer. Uh, add some difficulty, and he likes to pile the obstacles in there. So it just makes it to where you 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 take out some of the trail running, and you get to do some more of what you came to do anyways. Is pound out some more obstacles. About how long are the races? Uh, typically around five miles. Uh, so you know, five to six mile loop. Um, so it's right there in line with what Battlefrog used to do with BFX, and uh, so it works out perfect. You know, I'm, I, I kind of brings back the old memories of, of running the BFX courses. Gotcha. So there's an elite wave. There's a single-lap elite wave, right? There's a single-lap open wave, and then there's a multi-lap option? Yes, sir. And how long is the multi-lap option? The multi-lap, last year he did eight hours. I believe this year will be nine hours because he's going to start the multi-lap ahead of the elite wave. Um, okay. so we'll take off at six and then elite will take off at seven. Oh, that's interesting. wonder how that's going to work out. Uh, he did it. He did it last year. Um, and I, I wound up only running the, uh, the elite wave at his championship race last year, his last event last year. And it worked out just right. Uh, the multi-lappers were already to the end of the course. Um, the ones that were really going to be competing against you. Um, or competing competing heavily out there. Um, the other ones, they knew the elites were coming, so if they, they heard you or saw you coming, they kind of shifted over and let you come on through. Um, but it it seemed to work pretty seam- seamlessly by then. Nice. And how many events do they typically hold a year, and in what locations-ish? Uh, he tries to stay uh, right there in the Louisiana area. He did do one in Gulfport, Mississippi last year. Um but he did three events last year. This year he's only doing just the one, and then he's hoping to uh, build up for next year. He's uh, he's getting some some new obstacles together and trying to to build another uh, another set of sadistic obstacles, I guess. <laughs> nice. Now, okay, give me uh, give me some of the examples of some of the obstacles. I know you you mentioned a couple of them already, but yeah, he uh, he's he's got one he calls limitless, um, and you being the grip type person you are, you would you would absolutely love his obstacles because he likes to do a lot with with grip strength. Um, but he limitless can be monkey bars into a, a rig, back into monkey bars. Um, he might throw a traverse or rope climb into it, or start with rope climb and go into the monkey bars. He likes to just throw all different variations in anything like that. Then. Uh, he did a, a really neat setup for his uh, hoist. Instead of doing a traditional 
turquoise where your everything was hooked up already for you. He made you go get your own sandbag and hook it up yourself and then put it back in place. So you kind of made your bed and laid in it too. Um, oh, interesting. He, uh, he, he does some of the obstacles that you've seen at other races. Uh, he has a, a variation of, uh, stairway to, stairway to Sparta, I believe. Um, he has a variation of that. Um, he likes to do several walls. Uh, he'll, he does a lot with brute force, so he gets the brute uh, brute force uh, giant ball sandbags, and uh, he'll do he'll actually do instead of just having a bucket, he'll do that for his carry. Um, and those are those are pretty tough because he'll he'll end it with a box or have a box jump midpoint, so you gotta set that down, do your box jump, come back, get it, and go again. Um, he, uh, I'm trying to think of that. There was another really, oh, he, he does, uh, Dragon's Back. He calls it, uh, Leap of Faith. And, uh, he likes to throw that one out there just to, I mean, you know how it goes. It's, it's more of a mental obstacle than anything. So you, you see lots of people get up there and they just, they, they cave right there. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, because it's from the ground, it's not that far of a jump, but from up there, it must seem like miles if, if you're not used to heights. Yeah, it's it's deceptive because I remember the first year it was at OCR World Championships was 2015, and I didn't make it that year. But I remember seeing it and being like, I don't I don't understand what the big deal is. And then I went the next year in 2016, and they still had it. And I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. And I got up there, and, like, for a second my mind was like, this is a bad idea. Like, you're going you're gonna to slam into this post and fall on your face. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... it's I like it. I think it 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 builds a well-rounded athlete, and it you know makes sure you're confident in multiple disciplines. You know, it's not it's not all grip strength. It's not all you know balance, or it's not all heavy carries. You know, it's it's well-rounded, and I think that's one of the things that makes OCR great is it forces you out of what may be your comfort zone and forces you to adapt and adjust and become better. So, absolutely, I, I think that's what I think that's important with all the uh, all the race series out there now. So many other series are bringing out that hey we're not going to just throw the the traditional obstacles we're gonna we're gonna throw a little extra something to them you know and uh i i really enjoy it you know it it makes you makes you work a little different and uh makes you want to come back for more yeah i totally agree the again i think that makes ocr very interesting from a uh someone who follows the sport is because the different variations and the different obstacles and the different challenges can really affect the field in the finishing order versus if you look at the start line of a 5K and you ask people their PRs, you can pretty much rank everyone without even running the race. Absolutely. You know, especially, especially at a smaller race, it's like, oh, well, this guy's PR is two minutes faster than mine, so I'm obviously not going to beat him, but I will run my own race and you know see what happens. But you know, with obstacle course racing, especially a mandatory obstacle completion, you can get stuck at things and you know, changes the order significantly. Yeah, and I I completely uh I completely believe that as well. Um I remember Pegatron last year and I definitely want to come find another conquer and uh and get a little redemption on that. Yeah, that usually gets people the first time. Luckily the first time they rolled it out was Tulsa and I was not there for that event, so it was the last race of two thousand fifteen. So I had time to train up 
and be ready for 2016. But if, if it would have been showed up without me prepping or knowing about it ahead of time, I definitely would have failed. It's uh, it's an adjustment. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely was uh, way, way more difficult than I had anticipated uh, because you, you're just working so many muscle groups at one time. And if before you know it, you're, you're just spent. And then on top of that, it's in the middle of a, you know, your heart rate's high. It's in the middle of a long course, relatively four miles with pretty hard obstacles. And then the other thing that's weird that a lot of people have trouble with is the pegboards most people practice at at home. You put the peg in and it goes in like an inch and a half and it, it, it hits the wall, right? It locks out yeah. versus Pegatron. You can stick the whole peg in there and it, you can like the peg can disappear. It can fall off the backside if you really wanted it to. And that oh, makes yeah. it challenging because you need to put enough of the peg in where it locks down and you can hang off it but not too much where when you go to transition now your your you know your back peg is essentially stuck in the board so definitely an adjustment. Yeah, or, or you or you're not paying attention and you just go to slam up there and it's actually a blank and there wasn't a hole there to begin with and uh yeah <laughs> that, that that got me that that definitely got me that's got me before yeah but it, it was it was awesome you know uh that perfect example of innovation right there you know just thinking outside the box yeah absolutely now i know uh straight off topic a little bit but battle race for those of us or those that are uh, big about big on medals and prizes you know what's the prize what kind of prizes do they offer uh is it monetary is it um something else medals etc uh last year he did a uh he had to deal with Highly, and you got a you got a gift card to Highly for podium. Um, I'm not really sure what he's going to get this year as far as uh, monetary compensation, um, but the medals were pretty cool. Um, and he did, you know, something a little bit different. He did l- different lanyards for the different areas. He did the race. Um, he had talked about maybe instead of doing like a pin, um, like Savage does with Syndicate or. You know the others. Um, he talked about maybe doing like a like a patch system. Um, he uh, he typically will step out and do a, a pretty cool uh, award. Uh, the he did swords in 2016. Uh, I got a shield, a couple shields last year. Yeah, that's what I remember seeing on your timeline. Those big shields. Yeah, the shields are pretty cool, and they were they actually a, a, a little sharp in some places. So it made that much more cool. Um, and those were all handmade. Um, I can't remember what he did for the uh, for the championship. He did something pretty cool there too. Um, I think he did like a a special one off plaque or something. Um, he he just. He, he doesn't keep the. He doesn't want everyone's award to be the same. He wants them to stand out a little bit, so he keeps changing it up, which I think makes it kind of makes it a little bit more personal. You want to get out there and get as many as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, a couple more questions, then we'll let you go. I know your Instagram handle is called is Goldfish Athlete. So explain why that is your Instagram <laughs> handle, because that is very bizarre. And when I think of like fierce OCR competitor, I don't think of Goldfish. Well, you know, the uh, Goldfish Athlete came around, oh, man, uh, I can't remember if it was 15 or 16. Um, you know, it was just a couple of us joking, you know, about different different people's 
I guess, race names, you know, and uh, somebody, you know, talked about, oh, you know, you should do something that uh, that you really like, you know, just as a joke. And uh, and I was sitting there eating eating goldfish. I, I just have this knack for just sitting down and I'll I'll eat goldfish by the bag. I mean, just in, in a single sitting. And uh, honestly, I, I have to say we we're frequent buyers at Costco of the three bag box, and uh, it doesn't last very long around the house, mainly because of me, not really the kids. The, the kids will share, but it's uh it's pretty much all me. But it was just, it started off as a joke, you know, telling people, oh, yeah, I'm the goldfish athlete. And it has just blown up from there. Um, there's been pictures where people photoshopped it, a, a bag of goldfish in my hand during a race or after a race. Um, during Go Ruck selection, uh, it was actually turned into goldfish, uh, goldfish selection. Um, and I'm pretty sure I got a little extra punishment because of that, because I, I didn't really understand in the moment, but uh, all of a sudden the cadre started screaming at me, asking me if I understood what a patch for Goruck uh, selection looked like. And then they asked what the guy was carrying. And then shortly thereafter, I realized that somebody photoshopped on and moved the log off the guy's shoulders and put a goldfish on there and changed the patch up and posted posted to the Goruck page during the event. So I'm oh, pretty good. sure a little extra punishment. So, but it, it started off as a joke, and then everyone just started knowing me by that. I'll, I'll be out on course, and everyone just hollers out goldfish now. Um, so it's just stuck. Now it's just become a permanent name, I guess. Nice. I I did not expect it to have to do with the snack. I was thinking of actual goldfish. I'm not sure where I thought the answer was going to go, <laughs> but um, my three year old loves goldfish. There's a pink kind, like princess pink goldfish. So oh yeah. I don't know if you tried that one. I think it tastes exactly the same. They just like dyed it pink, but yeah, I think it just tastes the same. I actually uh, had a friend get me some of those for uh, for my, my birthday present. Um, my birthday actually consisted of several bags of goldfish for my friend. Nice. So it's just one of those things that I I have a thing for goldfish and it just stuck. All right. Uh, what uh, big plans you have coming up for the rest of 2018? Hopefully, for the rest of 2018, I can get back out racing like normal. Um, kind of started off uh, kind of up and down. Uh, I got sick at the beginning, uh, started off with a little bit of a touch of pneumonia, and then ran a marathon, thought everything was good, and tweaked my hip, and I've been trying to get it dialed back in here lately. Um, and I feel really bad because all all my teammates with Green Beret and uh, Human Octane are out there killing it, and I am uh, just kind of sidelined trying to get everything right. Um, you know, flares up for no rhyme or rhythm, and uh, get out there. I can run five or ten miles one day, or might do fifteen, and then the next day I can't can't get two miles in it, and I have some pain. So, got to get that dialed in so I can get back to training as as normal. Gotcha. Now you mentioned you're on the Human Octane team, also. Uh, tell us a little bit about Human Octane. Okay, uh, yeah, Human Octane uh, is a fairly new uh, apparel company. They, uh, Brent Kokow, uh, he, he started it up, you know, with a sole ambition of building a type of gear that was designed specifically for obstacle racing. Um, you know, you, you've got your 
everyone knows you've got your typical two XUs, you've got your your uh, Marina score, you you've got uh, was it second skin now, and uh, you, you've just had you've got the same people out there, and they they throw the same basic color combinations together um, unless you order something special and. Brent wanted to do something different. He wanted to, to break the mold and make something loud, make something that, uh, honestly, it's like like a product I've never really had. Uh, the gear it just feels amazing. Um, it sheds water real well, sheds the mud off real well, cleans up amazing. Um, and after a ton of uses, it, it's still good. And he, he does... Uh, he does guarantees that if you don't like it, send it back. Um, you know, he, he's just one of those people that he races. He wanted the best out there, and he said, "You know what? I haven't found anything that I just really, really fell in love with. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make something." And uh, I, I think he's doing a phenomenal job with it. Uh, you know, he obviously he's got to be pretty good because uh, Rose is now part of the team as of this year, and. Uh, Oh, nice! I don't think I knew that. Yeah, she, awesome. uh, she she's on board, and I don't think I think Rose has been around long enough that if she didn't believe in something, that uh, she wouldn't have to, you know. And uh, so that I, was, I think that speaks volumes for for the gear itself. If you're not tracking, you're listening to this, we're talking about Rose uh, Wetzel Senate. So it's been on Ninja Warrior, it's been on the Spartan Pro team for I don't know how many years she was on that team, but a long time. Definitely one of the best female obstacle course racers. Period. So. Big deal if you're not if you're not familiar with her. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I was blown away when when uh, he told told us that she was going to be part of the team. And like I say, I, I think that just speaks volumes for you know that hey, this is actually actually good quality gear. And uh, you know, I look for big things to constantly keep happening. He uh, this year he debuted his elite compression gear, and uh, you know, last year we had the the uh compression line shorts but i was uh blown away by the just straight elite compression gear the the comfort the fit um has pockets you can access from both sides you can instead of typically being able to only put one gel or uh whatever you carry with you um you only have very limited room now you can put i've had as many as four gels in the back of that pocket it's just huge and uh, it's it's got mesh on the back, so it drains really well. So I'm, I'm in love with the gear. Cool. Sounds like a good company. I have not had the pleasure of trying them myself, but I am a big fan of any company that is specifically looking and supporting obstacle course racing, right? I think there's there's companies that are you know just kind of basically looking to sell to anyone, and then there are companies who are investing in the sport and looking to give back and et cetera. Um, like Mud Gear, you'll see at like all over the place sponsoring all sorts of events um i think human octane again with them specifically designing stuff for ocr is great for the industry and great for the sport so absolutely he actively takes feedback from the people that actually use the gear you know he doesn't want an outside source taking saying oh you know you could sell a, a, a thousand more units a month if you just did this he he wants to know what what we actually want what's going to make it better for us and so I think I think that says a lot. Cool. Now I know a lot of athletes are, you know, 
get maybe getting age group podiums or trying to be more competitive and are looking for sponsorship or deals or brand ambassadorships with companies. How did you end up getting linked up with Human Octane and with Greenberry Challenge? Did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you or something else? Uh, well, let's see. We'll start with uh, Human Octane because that one happened first. Uh, I actually joined their team uh, at the tail end of 2016. Um, that was just one of those things I was, you know, it was perfect timing. Uh, Brent was looking for a couple people to spread the word and to be part of the team. And uh, I just lucked up and reached out and uh, told him that I was also interested in finding somebody that was, uh, you know, in, that, that was interested in doing something in the sport and, you know, being a little bit different. And he, uh, when I realized that he wasn't just one of those people out there throwing out, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing something for this sport and I want to be it tailored just to this sport, I, I realized really quickly he was, he was 100% into it. He, you know, his heart was, where he said it was, and uh, the the guy is is stuck on on quality. You know, if if it's not perfect, he he doesn't want any part of it. He wants top notch quality and, and nothing less. And uh, you know that that's somebody I want to be part of. And so we we reached out to each other, and it just it just clicked. Um, you know, and I I'll, I'll hear from him. You know, if I, if I haven't talked to to Brent in a couple weeks. I'll get an email or a text and, you know, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? If I go and race, he knows that I'm racing, and he'll he'll either text myself or my wife and uh, check up on me. He actually, in the middle of the night during World Stuff, it's both years, he's he's texts my wife, hey, how's he doing? Everything going good? And, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. He's, he's a really phenomenal per, uh, person on a personal level and on a business level, so... I'm uh, ecstatic to be part of the team. And then uh, with Green Beret Challenge, uh, I've known Mark ever since that that Yargo event. And uh, just one of those things, we uh, kind of sparked a friendship there. And as time's pressed on, you know, we've we've talked about it off and on. And he said, he finally sent me a text one day, hey, you know, things are coming around and, you know, start building a team together little by little. And uh funny story was the day that he announced that I was on the team, I didn't know. I uh I actually went into work early that morning and uh I guess I was in at work at like four in the morning or something. And so I I just left my uh my phone in my, my service truck. I'm a I'm a mechanic for uh, Alabama Power and sometimes I don't always carry it with me. Came back over, grabbed my phone and it went off. And it was uh, Deborah Arietta on my on my team, and uh, she she's ecstatic. She's congratulating me. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. What are we uh, what are we celebrating? <laughs> she's like, uh, so I take it you haven't been online today. I was like, no, no. This is like eight o'clock. I've I've been at work for four hours now. Uh, I, I just got back to my phone. What's up? It's like, oh well. Uh, you're officially part of the team, you know, it's on Facebook, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's awesome, you know, and so then it all made sense, but it was, uh, it was, it was pretty funny, she, uh, she got to have her a good laugh over that, and, uh, Mark definitely picked on me a little bit about it, um, 
but it, it was just one of those awesome scenarios um, that he he decided he was going to surprise me, and uh, it definitely worked out as a surprise. Yeah, that's good. I think so. I wasn't sure how you were going to answer that, but I'm glad you answered it the way you did. So the the first one with Human Octane. You know, people ask people ask me a lot all the time, like, oh, well, how do I get sponsored or get an ambassadorship or whatever? You know, and I'd say the first thing is you got to reach out to people. Like, people don't know you use their gear unless you're specifically like, hey, I use your gear. Are you interested in, uh, you know, ambassadorship, partnership, whatever, whatever you want to call it, sponsorship? So, I think reaching out to companies is great if you are interested in representing them on a uh, professional or semi-professional type level. And then the other thing with the Green Beret Challenge one, you know, you were you had already built up your a name and a personality with the owner and with the race series. You said you've done what like twelve Green Beret Challenge events. Yeah, yeah. Man. Which, which I mean, is a lot, right? For a, a race company that doesn't hold that many events a year, uh, and that are fairly spread out. So you know, showing up to multi, you know, finding a brand that you want to represent and showing up to multiple and making a name for yourself and getting to know the owner and things like that. You know that all that all helps. It also shows you're in the sport for the long term. I get asked all the time, you know, how do I get on the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team? And it's like, well, how many Conquer the Gauntlet races have you been to? And they're like, well, like one. It's like, well, you probably need to show up to more than one, you know, or two races, and you need to do well. And then again, you need to show this is not a one year passing fad. You know that you're you've been involved in the sport for a couple of years, and you're planning on continuing. You're not just here to show up for a year and then disappear off the radar absolutely so. you know and 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 the compound on that you know it's like you're saying you, you need to go and you need to you need to use the gear or you need to run the race and i think that translates to you need to you need to be a believer in whatever you're using you know i don't want to i don't want to be part of anything that i don't think is a is a good product or a good event or anything like that because i mean i i think if if you're part of too many things that you're not very active with it just kind of shows that you're you're not a real you're not really into it or you're not being real about it um i want to have a little bit of a personal connection um i want to i want to use the gear and just wear it and wear it out i want to show that you know hey look i i believe in it so much that i'm going to use this stuff until it has holes not not because i got it in barbed wire but because it's it's just so comfortable that I don't. I don't want to stop wearing it, or I want to keep running this race because every single time it challenges me over and over and over again to you know to to where I'm constantly improving myself. And uh, you know, you there's several startup companies that you can reach out to. I think out there, and you know, you just drop your name in the hat and say, hey, you know, I want to be part of whatever you're doing. But at the end of the end of the day. People are going to kind of dissect that pretty quickly, I think, you know, in today's day and age that, hey, you know, this this person's actually been using this or, you know, they use it on a regular basis to where I feel comfortable that they've broken it in for me. And so I know that if I if I spend my hard earned money to do this, it's something quality. All right. I think we're going to get going. Any final shout outs you want to give or. I don't know if you know any behind-the-scenes or upcoming major Green Beret Challenge news that you want to share. I think that would be cool, whatever you got. Uh, yeah, uh, Mark has got 
a deal coming up with uh, – he's going to headquarter over in Texas, um, and I I hope I can pronounce this right. I believe it's Reveal Ranch over there. Um, he, he's going to do a, a headquarter there. Um, so that that's going to be pretty awesome. I don't know the exact details. Um, Mark likes to surprise us from time to time. Um, but I know that next year he wants to push the uh, the original, the Commando, really heavily. Um, I, I think that's going to be some of the biggest GBC news coming up. Um, you know, I know a lot of people love the operator, um, but then there's also kind of the, the group of people that really want the Commando back also. And, and, the, and the operator is not over. It's just he, he's seen it, it comes in waves, you know. Just like anything, you know, he'll probably run run the uh, commando for a while and, you know, mix it up again and throw some more operators in the mix. Um, but I, I know he wants to push the commando heavily again. Um, you know, as far as human octane news, I know Brent's working on some new designs and he uh, he wants to keep, you know, pushing, breaking the mold and uh, pushing the limits and uh, putting out superior gear out there for us um and he's you know he wants to give us more loud styles um which i think is really cool instead of just a plain jane black compression gear um and outside of that uh you know i I think that's the major highlights Uh, i did uh join up as a uh ambassador with uh salming running and uh i'm loving their their shoes, period, uh, the OCR shoes and the run, road running shoes. Um, that's been a pretty terrific company to work around with also. Uh, ran several races with both, and it's just a minimal feel, but it feels like you got a, a maximum cushion in, in it. So it's pretty cool stuff there also. Uh, look forward to do a little bit more with them as well. Cool. Sounds like some good uh, sneak peeks of things to come. When you say... Mark's going to open up a uh, headquarters in Texas. Is that going to be like a permanent obstacle course slash training slash race facility? Is that what you mean, or is that what does that mean exactly? Uh, well, I'd be lying if I told you exactly, but I know there are some plans to try to make make a, a race there. So I, if I had to assume him doing a headquarter there, he's probably going to try to do – something semi-permanent at least um so he, he's got big plans up his sleeves and uh you know we're, we're working together you know to see where i can pitch in or, or the team in general can pitch in um you know so he he's uh keeping us in the mix as much as he can as he gets more details of what he's going to do next um you know right now it's just like everything as as the year is starting to push towards the the championship season and the uh, the end of the year, everyone's trying to gear up for next year. So he's he's trying to nail down 100% definites leading into the following year. And uh, as he gets more details, I'm, I'm sure he's going to blow it up on social media, and so will we. Nice. Well, uh, I look forward to it. I'm sure there's lots of exciting things coming. Um, final shout-outs I'm going to give real quick. Uh, I think we only have two Blegmits left in stock in our store. They are size small, so if anyone wants them, uh, I would order them ASAP because they go pretty fast. 
And then, other than that, Mudrun Guide's Ultra OCR Bible, also available in my online strength and speed store. So you can head over and uh, pick that up if you're interested in these endurance-type races. Now, the book focuses on multi-lap obstacle course racing, specifically things for, like, Toughest Mudder or Spartan Ultra Beast or uh, Dirt Runner's multi-lap option or Shale Hell, uh, which recently announced their closing after their final event in February. But the training principles and so a lot of the thought processes and techniques are in that are in that book can be applied to uh, selection-type events like we talked about on this podcast. Specifically, there's a lot of stuff in there about having your mind right going into an event and you know how to prepare and ensure that you are strong enough mentally to make it all the way to the end. So I think that obviously I think it's a lot of great information in there. I wrote the book, so I'm obviously very partial to it. Um, and when I wrote the book, I didn't hold anything back. So you know any of my quote-unquote secrets or tricks or techniques or stuff like that, I put everything in there. And when I was writing it and my dad was proofreading it, he's like, aren't you worried your competitors are going to read this and then you know they can claw back a couple of minutes that you've gained over them from some of the stuff? And it's like, well... You know, I think I'm going to help out more people in the long run doing this. And on top of that, I think the people who are really going to benefit from it, the people who are right around my placement, probably don't think they need to read my book. So I don't even think those people will read it. But I think it's uh, obviously a great resource. So definitely check that out if you're interested in multi-lap endurance type stuff. Lance, thanks again for coming on the show. And hey, Thank uh, you for having me, Evan. Yeah. Good, glad we could finally get make this happen, and uh, I will see you. If you, I hope you make it out to a couple more Green Beret Challenge events this year. I should be at one, maybe two of them before the end of the year. Awesome, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely planning on making uh, as many as I can make. Uh, Atlanta, Alabama, Alabama, obviously because it's in my home state, um, and I think there's uh, like two more that I, I'm gonna try to make. Uh, I want to make the Kansas one. Just gotta, you know how it goes. Gotta. See how parent duties go and uh, how work goes. So I got to do the the adulting also. Cool. I'll uh, I'll hit you up after this. Maybe I can give you a free place to stay if you come up to the Kansas City one. Awesome. All right. I'll uh, catch up with you later. Thank you, Evan. <laughs>